You are listening to a message from Parkway Church in Corona. Our prayer is that this message blesses and encourages you. If you want to know more information about Parkway Church, or if you like what you hear, why don't you come join us here on a Sunday at 10 a.m. right here in Corona. Or you can visit our website, parkway-church.com. This is Pentecost Sunday, as we've stated, and it's exciting to be part of the worldwide movement of the church and of the Holy Spirit, amen? And Pentecost Sunday, and you can read how, uh, what that celebrates in Acts chapter 2, how the Spirit was poured out, the church was birthed, 3,000 were added, the heavens were opened that day. You know, we often pray and sing, God, open up the heavens, the heavens are already open. They've been open for 2,000 years. But the Bible makes this statement. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is being forcefully advanced and the violent take it by force. So we can stop praying for an open heaven and start to get a violent spirit and press into what's already been opened up for us. And that's the importance of prayer. And so uh, Pentecost Sunday is an exciting day, but I want you to know that it started with 10 days of prayer. As the disciples prayed, and I believe the greatest privilege of the believer is also our greatest responsibility, and that is prayer. And we're going to have the slides up and the verses so you can follow along with me. But I believe our greatest privilege and delight, if our, if our greatest privilege and our greatest delight, hear me, is intimacy and fellowship and being in the presence of God, then the burden of the responsibility that comes with prayer is so much lighter. Okay, I'm not sure if you're understanding that. If, if my heart's desire isn't just to get saved and have fire insurance... And get into heaven. But if my greatest earthly desire is to know him more and more every single day of my life until I get to see him face to face, then the responsibility and, yes, the burden that comes with prayer is so much lighter because the end result is intimacy with him. Prayer is both what triggers personal and corporate revival. If you want to be revived in your spirit, if you're dry... If you are among the people who say, I need to fan in a flame the gift that I once had, then prayer is what triggers personal and corporate revival. But prayer is also the result of both personal and corporate revival. So prayer draws us into closer intimacy and fellowship with God. And closer, more intimate fellowship with God is what drives the spirit of prayer. But it has to start. With us praying, we're going to see that we have an invitation every single day of our lives as believers to come to a place of prayer, to come to a place of intimacy. And in the next few weeks, including through to Father's Day, we are going to talk about different uh, levels of prayer. But there's a standing invitation from the Holy Spirit to draw into fellowship and into His presence through prayer. And this is what I've been praying uh, I was faced with a little bit of a trial this week. It wasn't, it wasn't a big one, but it, for, for me, it was one of the areas in my mind the Lord's trying to make me steadfast, and I'm not going to share with you what it is. It just has to do with uh, j- just my faith to believe when my eyes are telling me that it's not happening. But I, I came in, in this sanctuary and I had a meltdown for 10 minutes, and I said, God, I, I don't understand. Here we go again. And, and I had Now, the, the good news is that 10-minute meltdown would have been 10 days a year ago. So I'm, I'm, how many of you know, maybe I'm not where I should be, but I'm not where I was. Amen? But 
One of the things I said was, you know what, Lord? Okay, I've had my little meltdown. I've had my little, I can't believe this. And I've had that time. I repent of it. Lord, you've got grace for it. But here's what I'm going to do. All the energy I would have used a year ago, fussing and talking about it and worrying about it and trying to think it through in my head, I'm going to put that energy into prayer because it's impossible for me to pray and something not to change. And so I tell myself that when I need a faith boost. Because I could either gripe and complain and get worried and anxious about it, which accomplishes absolutely nothing. Or I could say, it's impossible for me to pray right now to put my focus and energies into prayer and this situation not to change on some level. That's a good thing for you to remember. Say that with me. It's impossible to pray. And something not to change. See, prayer has the immediate effect of God's kingdom coming, his will being done. It has that immediate effect, but it also affects the future. So sometimes the answers are immediate. Other times they are sowing into God's will being established at a future time. But if we truly want to see God's will established, we must pray into it to see it released. The coming of God's kingdom, the establishment of his will in our lives, the lives of our children, the lives of our spouses, the lives of our community, our church, whatever situations and circumstances we're in, they're not automatic. Jesus taught us to pray, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. God is sovereign. And he has chosen in his sovereignty to bind himself to the prayers of his people. So, Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 verse 5, Jesus has already been crucified. He's already descended into hell and taken that authority, the keys of death and hell back. He's already gone back to the Father. And now he's been appearing to his disciples over a period of 40 days. And Jesus makes this statement in one of these instances. He says, in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus made a declaration of his will. Jesus made a declaration, a prophetic word. He said, in a few days you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And we celebrate today on Pentecost Sunday that in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 to 13, the fulfillment came as the Spirit was poured out. They all, the 120 that were waiting on the Lord, received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They go out preaching because people know something's going on and 3,000 are added to the church. Now, I want to make, draw, draw this so we understand this. Jesus had prophesied this would happen. He commanded them to wait for it to happen. But the fulfillment only came as a result of 10 days of fervent prayer. So let me ask you, has God promised you things through his word that still haven't been established and come to pass in your life? Has God given you prophetic words, words of encouragement? I know he has over my life. I know he has over this church. So let me tell you something. Whether it's a, an individual specific prophetic word that's been spoken into your life or your circumstance or your children or your family or your finances or your health or whether it's a promise that we can claim from God's word, it's not automatic. There has been so many words spoken over this church about healing and revival and renewal and soul saved. Here's the thing. We can sit back and go, God, we are still waiting for it to happen. Or we can start to contend for those things through prayer because it's not automatic. Let me ask you something. Jesus said, in a few days you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit. What would have happened is after five days if the disciples had given up and just gone back, would have that come true? No, and it wouldn't have made Jesus a liar. It would have meant they didn't contend in prayer for what Jesus said could be theirs. Is this making sense this morning? And then in Acts chapter 2, verse 2, it says, 
after they've been praying 10 days, it says, suddenly, suddenly they hear the sound of a mighty rushing wind. It was like, a, actually, the direct translation is a violent wind. It sounded like a windstorm coming into that room. And they all sat up. And when they all sat up from a posture of prayer and opened their eyes, they saw fire alighting on each of them. Both wind and fire were symbolic of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. And then the baptism fell and they all spoke in tongues and they were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. But here's the funny thing. It came suddenly after 10 days of praying. It came just like that, but it came because they contended for 10 days. And I want to tell you something. Our suddenlies come because we've contended in prayer. But their prayers were farther reaching as well. The result of their immediate prayers affected history because it wasn't just the pouring out of the Holy Spirit for the 120, but it was the birthing of the church and 3,000 were added. Because the 120 were faithful to prayer and didn't give up or become distracted, the Spirit came and they were filled, but as well, their initial answer opened up the heavens and you and I are still part of that church that was birthed that day. So let me say this, your grandchildren, the prayers, and this is what I'm realizing, my grandchildren's fate rests on the prayers that I'm praying over my son and his fiancée today. Because there's immediate answers, but if I want my grandchildren to know and to serve and to grow up to know the Lord Jesus Christ, how many of you know my prayers into their life has immediate results, but it also has results for future generations? So if I fail to pray for them today, I fail my grandchildren and their children. Uh, I will preach it. Thank you, Paul. <laughs> 120. Initially opened up the heavens. Now hundreds of millions throughout millennia have come to Jesus Christ because they prayed through. Their prayers had both immediate and personal implications as well as ongoing historical implications. Someone made this statement this week. Uh, I, don't, I don't remember who it was, but someone said this, and I'm not making this up. They said, isn't it incredible that the prayers of, of, of the people who were part of Parkway Church, even before it was Parkway Church, when it was still in court, right? Their prayers and their vision are the reason that I'm saved today. Think about that. The prayers that went in another community before this church was even birthed are still being answered today. And friends, you and I have a responsibility to contend for those who are still yet to come. We heard this morning of someone that we had impact on, on their life through, through going into their community. Friends, our prayers matter. Our prayers matter, not just for those that are here today, but for those that have yet to come. See, their prayers opened up the way for us. The disciples did, and the degree to which we persevere in prayer now will be the measure of his kingdom coming in the future. Do you want to know where the church, where your family, where our community will be in five years? Measure it by how much prayer is going up right now today. Each generation of God's people have a responsibility to pray. We have a responsibility to pray into the open heavens that someone else opened up before us and believe that our prayers are more than just answers for us but for future generations. And if God does everything in answer to prayer, you and I are saved at some point, yes, because someone shared, because someone reached out to us, but you and I, if God does everything in answer to prayer, you and I are here as a result today because he drew us, because someone prayed for us, and now we are called to do the same. I'm going to be challenging you in the next three weeks. If your prayers are just about your daily bread and your needs and your circumstances, you're missing out on 90% of what prayer is supposed to be. I laugh when I don't laugh. It's not, and you're going to, 
It sounds awful if a pastor says, someone's talking to me and I'm laughing in my head at them. That's not what I mean. But I sometimes chuckle, honestly, when people come and say, I would pray more. I just don't know what to pray about. Are you, have you turned on the news lately? Man, just go, through the, just go through the news items and you could probably spend 20 hours today praying. We are called, as the people of God, to pray for our children and their children's children. We're called to pray for our spouses, for those that we work with, for those in our neighborhoods. You're called to pray for your pastor and those in authority over you in the kingdom of God. All of us are called to pray for the kings and those who are in authority over us. And if you look at that uh, community-wide, then provincial-wide, and then nationally, and then internationally, friends, there there is so much more to pray for than we possibly could ever pray for in one day. Does this make sense? It's interesting that in Luke 11, 1 to 13, Jesus' own disciples came and had a question for him. After following him for 24-7 for a number of years, they, I mean, they had front row tickets to some of the greatest miracles the earth had ever seen at that point. I mean, lepers healed. Like, seriously, people, lepers, their, their body parts would fall off. And the Bible would say that Jesus restored them. Like, limbs were growing, ears were growing, holes were being filled in. I mean, phenomenal stuff. The dead are being raised. People are being fed when there's no food barely to go around. They're hearing the most incredible teaching that has ever been taught on this earth. And, and despite all of that, they come and they said, Jesus, we have a question for you. And Jesus says, what is it? Lord, teach us to pray. (laughs) Not teach us to heal the sick, to preach. Lord, teach us to pray. They understood that there was some dynamic in Jesus' life that allowed for all these other things that came only as a result of prayer. Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. And in Acts chapter 2, when the Spirit was poured out, They're on their own and they're praying and the Holy Spirit is being poured out. Because they asked the question and because Jesus was their model, prayer always came before the decision, before the miracle, before the teaching. Because they had that model. In Acts chapter 2 it says that they devoted themselves for 10 days to prayer. Because they understood if we ever want to see it happen, we've got to pray first because that's what Jesus did. And then in Acts 2.42, after the Spirit's poured out. It says they devoted themselves to prayer. Acts 3, it says they were going to the temple at the time of prayer. Acts 4, it says directly following persecution, where the Bible says they were told not to preach in Jesus' name. They were in prison. What's their first thing? They didn't go to social media and complain. They didn't call a lawyer. They went to prayer because Jesus was their model. The result of prayer was the coming of the Holy Spirit in fire, and the ongoing result of Holy Spirit in fire was continued prayer. So let's be honest. Let's be honest. There are times when prayer is hard going. Because if it wasn't, we wouldn't need to preach on this this morning. Because we'd all be doing it. Can I just be perfectly upfront with you? Prayer is an area I struggle in in my life. I'm always in prayer, but I'm very, it's hard for me to have specific focused prayer because my mind and I get distracted easy. I'm always praying. Does that make sense? Like there's never a moment when I'm not aware of God. But the Lord's been calling me deeper to undistracted prayer, to focused prayer, to intimate prayer. We're not only where I'm, I'm doing it in the flow of life, but where I'm just saying, this is our time, Lord. So it's a struggle for me as well sometimes. 
But there are those times and seasons when it seems like our prayers are bogged down. Anyone experience that? When the sails are up, but we're catching no wind. It's a struggle to keep our minds focused. It feels as if our prayers are going not even as high as that ceiling and then falling back. And when prayers are dry, even knowing what to pray can be difficult. And praying for more than 10 minutes, 15 minutes can be torture. That's one of the provisions, by the way, the baptism in the Holy Spirit allows for. Is when I receive my heavenly language, I receive the ability when my mind is having a hard time engaging, when I'm distracted, when it's a struggle, when I don't know what to pray, I can, en- my, I can engage my prayer language and allow the Holy Spirit to pray through me. Because Romans 8, 26 tells us in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans too deep for words. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes praise for the saints according to the will of God. You know what? I told the church I was ministering in last Sunday, I told them, I said, I pray and worship in, in my spirit language more than in my English language. And I didn't tell them this. Maybe it's because I'm just not bright enough to know what to pray for God's will. At least I can surrender to the Holy Spirit. I might be as dumb as sheep, but I'm learning to follow, right? Works for me. So when the prayer, feelings of prayer just aren't there, when it's a tough go, we can still pray in faith, knowing God hears, God honors, and God answers prayer. Then there are those seasons and times that will come when we persevere in prayer, when a spirit of prayer seems to take over us. You ever had one of those times? I go through those seasons when prayer, it just seems like the minute I put... The, the, the minute I put the, the sail up, the Holy Spirit is just grabbing a hold of that. And I'm like praying and I'm calling out to God seriously. And I, he's revealing his will to me. And when my prayer time's up, I just don't want to leave because I know we're doing the work of the kingdom. The Lord and I, it's intimate. We look forward to those times. There's this incredible grace. It feels like we're running downhill spiritually. And there are those times when prayer erupts and it's wonderful. But for many of us, If not most of us, I think most of us, our prayer lives are somewhere between dry and difficult and effortless and energetic. Somewhere in the middle there. Come on, am I the only one? That's kind of where I I usually am. But regardless of how we feel, we're called to pray. And prayer is what connects us to the heart and mind, the power and presence of God. And even if we don't factor in the answers, the needs, the healings, the wisdom, the grace, the establishing for his will that we need to do every day, all thing, everything that comes through prayer, even if we don't uh, factor that in, the reality is that prayer connects me to God in intimate conversation. And that should be motivation enough for blood-bought people who are so grateful for what Jesus did. Prayer draws us into intimacy with God. And here's the heart of this today, okay? If you don't hear anything else, hear this today, because this is why we've called this stewardship prayer. The biblical principles of being faithful with little and stewarding what we have uh, given are important to cultivating a spirit of prayer. And I am kind of learning this myself. Uh, Jesus said in Matthew 6, verse 6, But when you pray... Go to your inner room, shut your door, and pray in secret to your Father who is unseen. But it also goes on to say, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. 
So Jesus makes a statement, when you pray, in Matthew 6, 16, he goes on to say, when you fast, 1 Peter 1, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you, Hebrews 4, 16, let us then approach the God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So Jesus said, when you pray, when you fast, not if you pray and if you fast. Peter was not addressing the super spiritual or full-time ministers when he told us to cast our cares on God. Hebrews invites all of us to the throne of grace where God himself is. Every believer is mandated to pray. Every believer. Next week's message is called, Intercession is Not a Calling. People make statements like, I'm not called to intercessory prayer. I know I'm getting ahead of myself. Or they say, I don't have the gift of intercession. You read the spiritual gifts. There is no spiritual gift lifted of, listed of intercession. Do you know why? It's the calling for every single believer to intercede. There's no specific calling. We are all called to, intercess, to intercession. So those who do learn to pray when it seems hard, when it seems boring, and the flesh is resisting all the way, they will reap the reward of faithfulness, which is always increase. This isn't an earning or entitlement, but when we have cultivated a place of prayer in our own lives that welcomes, honors, and hosts prayer, a spirit of prayer and increase of authority is always the result. We have to steward what we've been given. And all of us have the same invitation by Jesus, by Peter, by the writer of Hebrews and many other places in Scripture that when you pray, let us approach, let us come, cast all your cares. All of us have equal access to God all the time. And it's up to us to steward that. So Matthew 25, 28 to 29, it's the story of the talents. One man was given by his master a bag of, of, of 10 bags of gold. Another were given five bags of gold. And another one was given one bag of gold. And the Bible says the, the two people with ten and five took what was given to them and they went out and they used it and they utilized it and they invested it and they received an increase on it for their master. The one who had one talent, the Bible says, brought that talent before his master and plopped it down before him. And he says, I buried it. I didn't use it. This is the response of Jesus. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. So I want you to think about this. We have to treat prayer like we do every other spiritual principle, and that is, I need to steward the opportunities, steward the calling of God, and steward the time that I've been given so that I can steward and invest in prayer. Why? Because when I take that investment of prayer, that open heaven, that calling of Jesus, that when you pray and when you fast and when you intercede, that when I steward that, the Bible says, I will be given more and the Father will reward me. And if I don't, what I even have will be taken away. Some of you are going through a season where you just go, I have no desire to pray. I haven't prayed. It's just not there. And I used to. And you say, what's happened? 
What's happened is you're not stewarding what you have, and God's just giving that to other people. And you say, so what's the answer? The answer is start stewarding what you have. You and I aren't responsible to look at the, the, ten, the ten baggers and the five baggers and go, well, they're the ones that should be interceding because this is a, a stay-at-home mom whose husband makes all kinds of money. Look at all the time that she has to invest in prayer. Think about this. Look at that fellow. I know that that fellow gets, you know, so many weeks holidays and he's in semi-retirement. He has all kinds of time to pray and to to study the word. But I'm just a one-talent person when it comes to prayer because I'm busy. My life is... You are not responsible to look at what anyone else has and say it's on them. You are responsible to take that one bag of opportunity of time. There's an open heaven, an open invitation for each of us. It doesn't matter whether you have five, ten, or one... You take what you have, the opportunity that you have, and you start to invest it, and God will give you more time and more opportunity and more leading and more revelation and more guiding to pray. Stop making excuses. Turn off the flipping Netflix and the radio and use that time to pray instead. Come on. The church would rather do anything. Let's barbecue goat and eat it as a fellowship. And we're there. Let's have prayer meeting and three people show up. And if you like goat, you know, great, you like goat. I just picked an animal. It just came out. I've had goat. It's very good. Do you get my point here? It's, it's so easy to look at other people and say, yeah, but I... Steward what you have. And like every other principle, I don't want what I, I have. I don't want the opportunity that I have to pray right now to be taken from me and given to someone else. Because I have a family. I have grandchildren on the way. I have a ministry. I have a life. And I have a calling. And I need, I need to steward what I have now so that I can have increase in my prayer life. Does this make sense? And the one who stewarded well received increase. And we honor and make a place in our lives to cultivate a spirit of prayer. It can take discipline and hard work and self-denial. But we will receive increase. We will receive more. It's the one with the heart that loves the Lord, that is passionate and loves God, who is motivated to spend the time in prayer because prayer is primarily to be in fellowship with God. And so... It's the ever-increasing desire to see his kingdom come and his will be done. It's that ever-increasing desire that drives us to prayer. What is your will in this situation, Lord? Jesus, what matters to you? How do you feel about this, Lord? Lord, what does your word say about this? Let your will be done. Luke 18 is the well-known story of the persistent widow who keeps after the judge until justice is served on her behalf. And Luke writes, Jesus told this parable so that people would pray at all times and not lose heart. Persistence and not losing heart when we see no answers come that we can see is the challenge of specific prayer because, man, friends, and this is, this is what I struggle with. If I lose heart, if I get distracted or sidetracked with lesser things, I miss out. You miss out on the most incredible, powerful, history-altering partnership the world has ever known. And that's you and God, God and I, in prayer, shaping history. 
Before the cross, the veil was torn in two that separated people from the presence of God. Israel was the only nation that were allowed. Israel was the only nation that had God living in their midst. And Israel was the only nation that had access to God's presence, even though it was limited to one priest once a year. But now because of Christ, because of what we celebrated, we have unlimited access 24-7 to the Father. You and I have a standing invitation to boldly step into the epicenter of all power and authority in the entire universe, the very throne room and presence of Almighty God. But not only do we have access, when you and I walk in through Jesus' name, we have God's undivided attention and God gives us the room. You ever watch one of those movies? I, I, I love action thriller, political thriller movies and that. And you always have that one uh, person who, they're not a powerful person. They're usually somewhere way down the ladder, but they know something. They've, do you know what I'm talking about? So they get access to the situation room, and they always go in that underground bunker, or they go in wherever it is, and, and they walk in, and they've got their, you know what I mean? They've got their notes and everything, and, and they don't, it's usually some nerdy guy with his tie crooked, and he's the unsung hero, right? But, but he goes into the situation room, and the president's there, and the generals are there, the secretary of defense, the secretary of state's there. All of the people who are part of the power, all of the people that belong there are there, and that person just kind of stands there until someone says to them, what do you know? And you can see everybody rolling their eyes. You ever seen one like that? Come on, it's almost every political thriller ever, right? I love those movies because that person always kind of steps forward and says, now I know that it's, a, and, and they lay it out and they save the entire planet. It's incredible. You know, and all they were was a high school dropout who became a journalist for a newspaper somewhere. You know, it's incredible. And all these generals and people. Here's the thing. You and I get to access the situation room, the throne room of God in heaven. And when we walk in, we're not standing against the wall, wide-eyed, looking at all the, the powers that be in the universe going, whoa, I don't belong here. When you walk in the room, when you say, Father, I come in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, I'm telling you something, the Father, the President, the ruler of the universe stops and gives you the room, gives you the floor, and he says, let's do business. And all of those generals and all of those angels and all the power of heaven stop, and the Father says, you are at their command right now, because they are going to release you into my will and my purposes on earth. Think about that for a minute. I really could care less if I meet the Prime Minister of Canada. And I mean that. It would be, it would be nice. It's cool. I met Brian Mulroney one time. He said, hi, I'm the, hi. He says, hi, I'm Brian Mulroney. I said, hi, I'm Jay Black, the band president. Because I was the band president. I'm not proud of that, but I was. And so he says, I'm Prime Minister Brian Mulroney. And I said, I'm President Jay Black. Tilsonburg High School senior band. <laughs> and we had a good laugh. And he was a nice guy. But my point is, I could care less about that stuff. I have access to God Almighty. That's why it's impossible for me to pray in something not to change. But let me say this. Jesus paid... One of the things, one of the things we've been given in Christ is the gift of his righteousness. So you and I have a position of absolute righteousness that allows us full access to God. How sad if we rarely use it. Can I, can I just say this? If we see burden as, a, oh man, I gotta pray. I gotta fulfill my duty. What does that sound like to the father who gave his son to die on the cross so you and I could have that access? The Father says, here's an open door. And the open door, the veil, the gate through which you come is the very 
sacrifice of my son. And we go, oh, it's time for me to pray and go through that open door. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty, but I'll do whatever I have to for this to work. (laughs) Jesus paid a great price. It's a tragedy if we don't take full advantage of it because the Father is literally waiting. The Father... I've I've had people come to me over the years and say, I think God has more important things than my... You know what? He actually doesn't. He's a great administrator. He's got the universe taken care of. He, he, he's got everything going as it should go. The laws of thermodynamics are going, and he got them going, and they're sustained in his son, Jesus. But I'm telling you something. When you walk into heaven, he's got nothing better to do. So the scripture gives a, I'm almost done this morning. The scripture gives a continual call for us to pray, both in exhorting us and in example of God using prayer to unleash his power and purposes on earth. Can I tell you this? And you've heard this before, and it's not an excuse, but it's true. If prayer doesn't change your circumstances, prayer will change you. And think, think about this for a moment. Prayer changes us. Sometimes the establishment of God's kingdom and his will being done on earth we become the answers of, of the very prayer that we're praying for. Illustration. In, in Acts, I think it's Acts chapter 6 or 7, where Stephen, one of the, one of the deacons and elders in the, in the early church, Stephen is literally being stoned to death. They're throwing, they put him in a pit and they're throwing rocks at him until he dies for his faith in Jesus. And the Bible has this incredible statement. Stephen, in prayer, says... I see God and one who looks like the Son of Man, basically, and I see Jesus sitting at the right hand of God. And they get enraged and mad and they're throwing stones at him. And as they're throwing stones at him, so do you realize Stephen's in prayer? He's in prayer, and he, he literally saw with his visible eyes the access that we all have, God on the throne and Jesus at his side. He, saw, he visibly saw what you and I have spiritually every time we come in prayer. So Stephen is in prayer. He's in the spirit praying. They're throwing rocks at him. They are killing him. They're, it's a terrible travesty of justice and, and cruelty to be stoned to death. But Stephen sees God. He starts to pray. And prayer did not change his circumstances in the immediate. We don't know what he was praying, but maybe he was saying, God, let this stop. God, convict and change their hearts. But what did prayer do? Prayer changed him in the moment. Prayer strengthened him. Prayer gave him the power of the Holy Spirit to respond like Jesus. Because if prayer does nothing else, it will make you more like Jesus. Because you can't be in his presence and not be more like him. So here's Stephen, who's being stoned to death, and he's praying, and the heavens are opened up as he's praying, and this is what he cries out. Father, forgive them. And who does that sound like? Jesus. So prayer changed him, because it's impossible to pray and something not to change. Prayer changed him and released forgiveness. And in that prayer of forgiveness, something incredible happened. The Bible says there was a man there named Saul who was holding on to all their coats. He didn't throw the stones. He just held their coats so they could aim better. You know what I mean? And be unrestricted. And and the Bible says, and he gave his full approval of what happened. And that man Saul stood there. And Stephen, prayer changed him. Prayer gave him the heart of Jesus so Stephen could go, Lord, in spite of this, forgive them. 
something was released because God does everything in answer to prayer. Everything in answer to prayer. And God started to work on Saul from that moment on. And you and I know that it was a little while later on the road to Damascus to persecute Christians that Jesus appeared to Saul. And Saul later on went to be Paul who wrote most of the New Testament. (coughs) So when you're going through a trial and prayer is your first response, you may not see anything happen in the immediate. It could just be that God is changing you and releasing through you what needs to be released in order for lives to be changed, forgiveness. Do you know what I honestly believe? I honestly believe that if in that moment Stephen didn't release forgiveness, Saul may never have been saved. Because God does everything in answer to prayer. Now, God could have raised up other people. But you think about this. In, in just a few short moments, Stephen slipped out of that life and went up to glory. And as he stood before God the Father, God the Father says, Stephen, until the very end, you were faithful to, to, to allowing my spirit to change your character. And you were faithful to prayer. Because Stephen, just hang on. Look what's about to happen. And he shows him through time. Uh, probably the greatest missionary church planner that has ever lived and walked this planet. And Jesus says, this is what you release me to do. Because you persevered in prayer even when stones were busting your face open. So God does everything in answer to prayer. And as we steward prayer in the hard times, he will bring the increase. Thank you, Jesus. Prayer is not our last resort. It's our only resort. To know the Father intimately, to understand his character, is to know that he would never call us to waste our lives or our time in something futile. God is not in a futility. God is reflected in Jesus who saw the fig tree that looked like it had fruit, and when it was unfruitful, Jesus cursed it and it died. God would never call you and I to something that isn't fruitful and doesn't have an incredibly powerful purpose because he's a father of purpose and a father of fruitfulness. So, a couple of things here. If uh, the ushers at the back can just grab those. I want to encourage some of you. The disciples came to Jesus and said, teach us how to pray. And Jesus gave them the model of the Lord's Prayer. It's not really the Lord's Prayer, it's our prayer. Because Jesus said, this is the path. They said, Jesus, basically, teach us to pray like you pray. And Jesus said, this is how I pray. And as you go through the Lord's Prayer, the establishment of God, worship to God, the establishment of his kingdom and his will, the asking for daily bread, the asking for the cleansing of sin and forgiveness, the, the, the power to forgive others. As we do that, our prayer lives can be deepened and strengthened. So Hannah this week made up uh, a sheet that can help you pray 15 minutes a day uh, according to the Lord's Prayer. And if you'd like one of these to take home and start working, just put your hand up. And you can follow these guidelines. This is what I encourage you to do, even while your hands are up. Listen to me. Uh, when I'm going to specific prayer, like if I come into this sanctuary and I'm praying, I never come without a pad and paper or my Bible. Do you know why? Because as you start to pray through the Lord's Prayer, okay, prayer isn't just us talking to God. Prayer is conversation. And God will start to speak to you. And as he starts to speak to you, as you steward prayer... As you lift your words up and start to steward prayer, he will start to talk back to you and you can write those things down and as you write them down and adjust your life or start to adjust your prayers or start to go deeper in prayer and steward what he's telling you, then what will happen is he will speak to you again. 
Does this make sense? And this is a great place to start. And some of you, I'm so proud you're putting your hand up. Do you know I got to the place as a pastor where I felt there was so much that I needed to pray over the church, I didn't know how to pray anymore, so I just, I got me a sheet. And I printed out ten things specifically that I felt God was uh, encouraging me to pray over. And, uh, and I did that. I followed that for a number of months. It's okay to use a guide sometimes, right? Whatever will get us praying and listening. The other thing I want to encourage you in, and then we're going to let you go in a second, okay? But this is too important. The other thing I encourage you in is this. You learn from others. I believe in the power of corporate prayer. Everywhere in the Old and New Testament, there's individual prayer, and then there's praying together with friends, and there's praying together as a church body. We meet every Wednesday to pray. We meet every service for pre-service prayer. We're going to be meeting here from quarter uh, to eight to quarter after eight. Here's the thing. I'm not sure if I feel like I want to pray out loud. That's okay. You learn when you hear others pray. There are some people here that have taught me and deepened my prayer. Bob Dowswell. Bob Dowswell has taught me to pray with compassion. Seriously. Bill Clark, when Bill Clark prays, there's this immediate sense that this man walks with Jesus intimately. He's not a shouter, he's not a spitter, he's not a, well, maybe he is, but I've never, and I, and I need to say this, but when Bill Clark prays, I get this sense, this guy knows the Lord intimately, so I listen when he prays. John Skinner often leads our prayer times. And when I listen to John pray, John brings in these incredible prophetic prayers. And so I've learned from him. I've learned from Sam over the last 13, 14 years how to pray. Sam, Sam is able to pray the scripture. Mark uh, knows how to pray scripture. My, my point is this, is that we learn from those who are already doing One, one, of the people that, that I, one of the people that I absolutely weep over, and I mean this sincerely when they pray, is Jim. But Jim always tells me not to ask him to pray because he ends up crying, right? But, <laughs> and it's true, and I'm not saying that lightly. But I'm going to tell you this. Every time Jim Dowswell has prayed that I've been part of this church, there's a release of the Holy Spirit that's just so incredibly powerful that I sit and I tremble and I weep. So what's my point? And there are some women here that know how to pray as well, friends. Pastor Michelle prays so prophetically sometimes. There are times that, that, that she just starts to pray, and I just think, she just, I have been seeking God all week for this. Maybe I should have just asked her five days ago. Because <laughs> she just nailed it in prayer. What's my point? You get my point. We, we learn from others. Our lives are deepened and strengthened and challenged from hearing others. And my favorite meeting of the entire week, and I mean this, is Wednesday night prayer meeting. Because I always leave so enriched. I'm telling you, there are times I, I go out in the parking lot and I'm still trembling with the power of the Holy Spirit and the challenge that I heard through the prayers of others. I would not be uh, half the prayer that I am today if I didn't learn from other people. So I just encourage you in that. So this is what I'd like to do. I'd like us to stand and get in groups of four or five. I know sometimes we get kind of when we do these kind of things. But we're the body of Christ, friends. So why don't we get in groups of four or five?
one person take the lead and just simply pray this. Lord, we just release a spirit of prayer over us. Thank you so much for listening. Again, we hope this message blessed and encouraged you. If you would like more information about what we are as a church and as a community, you can visit our website, parkway-church.com.